This is the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast, a show dedicated to exploring digital transformation with organizations from around the world. I'm Emily Kotecki. In season two, we are doing a deep dive into different aspects of digital transformation. Today, we're going to dive into smart buildings with Janice Kahn, health sciences librarian at the University of Alberta. Janice, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Janice, let's begin with defining what a smart building is in the context of libraries. Sure. There are a number of ways that libraries are integrating technologies to optimize the user experience, reduce costs, and make buildings more energy efficient. For example, libraries are using light sensors and climate control in between stacks and study spaces. Once they detect humans in the vicinity, they will turn on. If there's no movement for an extended period of time, they will automatically turn off. There are several fascinating technologies to improve the user experience. Some libraries are taking advantage of um, using occupancy sensors to inform patrons which library spaces are available, such as visualizing computer terminals onto a screen and displaying red or green dots to convey which computer stations are free to use. And of course, it's updated in real time. Another example is having kiosks or a digital indoor map to help users find their materials. Similar to the kiosks we see in shopping malls, the interactive screen can help patrons locate a book and will display a map on how they can find their way through the library from point A to B so that it will direct them to the stack and the approximate location on the shelf. Library anxiety is a real concern for some patrons, and having these kinds of technologies for wayfinding can certainly reduce that anxiety. You actually developed a prototype measuring noise levels when you were at the Concordia University's Webster Library. Can you tell us about that prototype and what were some of its conclusions? Yeah, for sure. In collaboration with my colleague, Pamela Carson, web services librarian, we thought it would be interesting to solve an enduring library problem, which has to do with noise levels. Noise problems can come from students when they're being too chatty with their neighbors, eating, using their cell phones, you name it. There have been several interventions attempted with little success. They include changing the furniture, reconfiguring library spaces to to minimize social interactions, have security or library staff monitor the space. So think of the library hall monitors, if you will, using signs to inform students of the library noise policy to changing the lighting levels. How we perceive noise is also very subjective. So what may feel as quiet to one person may be completely disruptive to another. Because these interventions hardly ever worked, we decided to approach this problem in a different way. The proof of concept prototype is a way to detect the current noise levels in different areas of the library and feed that information back to the patrons. When they come into the library, they can see the information in real time. The prototype uses a microphone sensor that is connected to an Arduino to measure decibel levels in real time. And by the way, a decibel is a unit of measure for the intensity of a noise or sound. An Arduino is a programmable circuit board, which is connected to a Raspberry Pi or a small computer that listens to the Arduino. The Raspberry Pi reads the sensor data, 
adds a timestamp and produces a data file for you to do whatever you like with it, such as generating real-time displays on a screen in the library to allow users to see that information. The display would also be able to quantify what is considered silent, quote unquote, versus what is quiet, quote unquote, as an example. In our prototype, we found that this technology could work and patrons would appreciate this information as soon as they enter the library so they can see the real-time noise level in different areas and choose where they like to study. So it sounds like it's one of the, you had tried to accommodate noise levels through like physical and analog changes, but with the smart, with this prototype, the digital aspect of it helped you maybe also objectively define what noise level was, right? Because you said noise level is very subjective, but you were able to kind of make it this objective definition. That's right. We tried. We were thinking that, you know, like if we if we were to do this in real life, we would try to um, find a range of decibel levels that would be considered silent. Obviously, that would be no noise or quiet where there might be some minimal no noise and we would have a certain range of what that unit would look like uh, when the microphone does the reading. But then when we display it onto the screen to the end user, to patrons, they would just see the terms that we normally understand such as quiet or silent or you know um, conversational noise, something like that so that they can then uh, perceive the, the approximate noise level of the different areas in the library. I want to jump back to something in terms of the visitor experience. You mentioned library anxiety. Can you break that down? Oh, for sure. So there has been a lot of research concerning library anxiety where when patrons go into the library, when they're trying to find books on shelves, that there's this anxiety that build up that they don't know how to navigate the, the books, how to find books on the shelves. And it can be confusing depending on the libraries that you're using. If it's a public library, they tend to use a Dewey Decimal system in terms of how they organize the books on shelves uh, compared to academic libraries where they're using the Library of Congress. So again, that whole system of how books are organized are on shelves are completely different. And when patrons come into the library and they're trying to find that one item on the shelf, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> So the library anxiety kind of speaks to this overwhelming feeling of not knowing what's going on when they go into the library, how to find what they're looking for, and maybe just feeling inadequate that they, they feel embarrassed sometimes that they have to go to the service desk and ask questions because they're, they're probably thinking, well, I should know this, but I don't know. I don't know how to find my book. And so again, all of those, um, those worries kind of fester into um, like a bigger problem. I think the equivalent in museums is museum fatigue is just the, and, and maybe that kind of is the end uh -huh. experience, whereas library anxiety sounds like at the beginning of the experience, but it seems like providing, you know, smart building capabilities is a way to alleviate that for visitors to help them feel more comfortable because it seems like that is often the, the, the goal of welcoming people in is to welcome them in to, and help make them feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So I think using these kinds of technologies could reduce the library anxiety, especially if we're using the, the interactive maps on the screen. Again, like the shopping mall, you're trying to find your Abercrombie and Fitch and it will just direct you like, you go up straight, turn left, and then make all these turns and then boom, you'll find it. I think there is a way to do that as well in libraries where 
that kiosk will just kind of direct them and guide them on how they can take the easiest route to find that particular shelf for the item. That would definitely reduce the library anxiety that people face. It sounds like, you know, your prototype was really focusing on smart building technology as it applies to the visitor experience. And I'm wondering how you could imagine kind of leveraging smart building technology into your work as a librarian, into the internal workflows of a place. Smart building technology is a a really good way to continue to remain relevant to our patrons and enhance that visitor experience. So another notable example is the growing popularity and implementation of RFIDs in libraries. And this has been kind of in in place from the early 2000s, although I'm not sure if it's been widely adopted through all the libraries. But what RFIDs are, are they're like a tagging system that they're put on library materials. So rather than scanning each item one by one, patrons are able to scan all of the items at once by playing the entire uh, bundle of books or CDs or what have you onto an RFID enabled palette. Alternatively, RFIDs also help library staff sort through the materials more quickly by placing items on a conveyor belt and dropping them into bins of the same genre or section. And not only are there cost savings in terms of labor, but it also has significant impact on the visitor experience. And kind of focusing more along the lines of uh, building efficiency, we're also helping the environment by improving the energy efficiency of buildings. And it just makes financial sense, especially with the challenges that many libraries face with exorbitant budget cuts. There are even sensors to let staff know when the lights need to be replaced in the library, which again is a really good way to reduce maintenance costs as well as control the temperature or lighting in these buildings. It does seem like, and you mentioned earlier, shopping malls, it seems like there are other industries that are adopting smart technologies so that it can create, you know, lower cost for the building. I think about going to a grocery store down like the freezer aisle and it illuminates as I walk by. It does seem like there is that opportunity just based on the building efficiency and the cost savings would be really beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an excellent um, analogy that this Technology exists and it has been applied in many other contexts and other places of business. And so I think that for libraries, we are a bit slower in adopting uh, smart billing technology. And I think there's a really good reason for that, the cost. And even though there are a lot of upfront costs, there are cost savings in the long run, but library managers and administrators, they just need to find ways to integrate these technologies. If there are renovation projects, for instance, that's the perfect time to kind of um, build that into to the building already, or even advancement opportunities to encourage donors to be a part of the futuristic library that is both energy efficient and patron-driven. It, it sounds like, based on what you're saying, the library field is somewhat nascent in adopting smart building technologies. What are other ways that this technology could be expedited in terms of its adoption in the library space? I feel it's so difficult, especially uh, with budget cuts that it's harder to put this as a priority, unfortunately, just because libraries, they have a lot of other challenges that they have to face, continue to build their collections and programming, which tends to uh, take a front seat (laughs) whenever they're budgeting things. So I feel that when it comes to smart building technology, unfortunately, it's never been on top of mind for people running libraries, which is unfortunate. But again, there are so many other things that they kind of have to worry about. So I feel that it doesn't get the spotlight that it, it really deserves. 
how do you feel like smart building supports the goal of digital transformation? Well, I think that smart buildings play an integral role when it comes to digital transformation. It transforms the way we do things. And it really breaks down the stereotype that libraries are simply old buildings with books. We are so much more than that. It revolutionizes the way libraries deliver services and programming and transforms the entire user experience and reduce that library anxiety and just make the overall experience in the library much better. Well, Janice Kong, health sciences librarian at the University of Alberta, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Emily. At the end of every episode, we hear from Catherine Devine, global business strategy leader for libraries and museums at Microsoft. Catherine, thank you for joining us. What did you hear in today's interview? Thanks so much, Emily and Janice. I'm so excited that Janice is so excited about smart buildings. I've been talking a lot about smart buildings um, in my time here at Microsoft as really an opportunity on so many levels for museums and libraries to really add value to the um, experience, but also, frankly, to save money. And it's such a great impact on the, on the environment, which is important to every library and museum. And surprises me sometimes that it's not necessarily on the digital strategies of of organizations. I'll tell you a story about the time that I, you know, since I joined Microsoft. Microsoft has 60,000 people working in Seattle area um, on a campus that has 100 plus buildings. And they're mostly smart buildings or on their way to becoming smart buildings. But the office that I work in is, is a smart building. And I cannot tell you how much I love it as an employee. Firstly, when I come into work in the morning, um, the um, parking lot has what Janice was describing in terms of these like green and red little um, LED bulbs that sort of tell you whether or not there's a parking space available or not. So it solves that whole problem of, you know, how do you get around the car park and rapidly find a space that's available as opposed to just like looking in every corner. Um, so efficient. I love it. But also once you come into the building, we have these fabulous things that sort of tell you when what conference rooms are available you got to remember that in each building there might be a thousand people working and so what, there's always all these conference rooms but you know how do you know which one's available or not so you can easily just with a couple of clicks find a room and that is amazing but recently they also added this idea that um, if people had booked a room but then not shown up within 15 minutes like you could actually detect that and it would actually make the, the room available back in Outlook uh, for people to rebook. Loved that. But I cannot tell you about how much it adds value to the employee experience and then in a library context or a museum context, the visitor experience. But the other important point that Janice brought out here is the impact on costs and the impact on the environment. These are easy ways for museums and libraries to recover more of the money that is available to them to be spending on things that further their mission rather than spending on things like energy costs, etc., that don't need to be spent, that are not necessarily adding value and is not necessarily missed if we don't spend them. And it also has a tremendous impact for the environment. So I'm excited that we're starting to see some momentum in smart buildings. And this is a great example. I hope you really um, enjoyed Janice's talk. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And thank you to Janice Kung and to all of our listeners. Next week is the very last episode of season two of the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast. 
We hope you'll tune in. This is an opportunity for me to interview Catherine about what are the emerging trends and ideas that she has heard over the last 10 episodes. If you have missed any of the episodes, they are available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Emily Kotecki. Thanks for listening.